All right, so I'm cognizant about who I have in the room, so I know a lot of you all, and I've seen your work, so I know I got a lot of leaders in the room. So, um, what, so my disclaimer then is take the meat from this, this drumstick and leave the bone. So what you take from it, make sure you take for it and you apply it, and what you can't take from it because it may be repetitive, potentially, um, make sure you leave that here with me. Um, but I, I, I did a good job, in my humble opinion, of hitting some high-tech stuff, hitting some practical stuff, and I think y'all will get something out of it. All right, so um, this is my, this is kind of my, uh, my proof of leadership. So I just listed a couple of things of where I've dabbled in the leadership arena. So you have everything from corporate, nonprofit, um, some network marketing, some consulting, some leadership stuff in athletic realm. And then I want to go ahead and showcase some of the places I work for in terms of either did consulting for them, worked in a leadership role, um, or came in and did some type of training for them. All right, so today we're going to talk about management versus leadership. We're going to, talk about, we're going to do a work preference inventory, and uh, we're going to talk about what I call the leadership curriculum. I work in higher education, so I'm breaking this down to minor, uh, major minor concentration. So I hope that helped you all conceptualize what we're going to do here. And so we want to jump right into management because a lot of people think because they've been elevated to a position that makes them a leader. How many people know that that's not true? Y'all ever work with somebody that got promoted because they've been there for a while and they may be good at the craft, but they don't know how to be a leader. And so there's, a, there's a, a serious difference. So what I did is I listed just a couple of the definitions of management, right? And so the first Google population, I put the first Google population up here because obviously that's got to be the most accurate thing in the world, right? Because when people do their research, they go to Google. And so I put the first Google population, first thing pops up, a person responsible for controlling and um, administering of all parts of a company or a similar organization. And so then the next one is the business dictionary and the Webster. So I'm not going to read them all. But one of the key things, um, and I'll talk about it a little bit later, is, uh, is the difference between management and leadership. And so there's supposed to be a picture here. All right, so, so I know i got a lot of leaders in the room. So help me out with what's your, what's your definition of leadership? Interactive folks, what's your definition of leadership? I know i got some leaders in the room. Taking charge. Right? By any means possible. Delegating can fall under that. I know you got something, so you're going to say something. Influencer, right? Ms. Scott? First lead by example. Lead by example. Inspire, influence, lead by example, motivate, manage at some point. You know, you could be a leader and hire a manager to manage your people, right? A leader can just be the visionary. What else? One more time? Knowledgeable. Absolutely. Y'all stole some of my bullet points. But that's exactly right. So that's what most people think about when they think about leadership. And so here's some common definitions, right? First, Google population, because obviously that got to be right, because Google said it. It's action of leading a group of people or an organization, right? And so that, that's easy enough to think about. I put the one from the Army up here, right? Because I think the Army produces, yeah. So the military produces leaders and drones, right? It's a little different. Sometimes it's hard for them to acclimate to the private sector, but Army defines leadership as influencing people by providing purpose, direction, motivation while operating to accomplish the mission and improve the organization. So some of the stuff that y'all mentioned is in that definition. And then Bill Gates, I included him because he's Bill Gates. Uh, as we look ahead into the next century, leaders will be those who empower others. And I think we said some of that influence uh, was one of the adjectives that was used. So those are common definitions. So I love this. So this is the, the quote I live by from Jim Rohn. You like that? And so Jim Rohn is one of the 
Uh, Tony Robbins. Yeah, yeah. So Tony Robbins' mentor. And so he says, and this is good. I think this is all encompassing. The challenge of leadership is to be strong but not rude. Be kind but not weak. Be bold but not a bully. Be thoughtful but not lazy. Be humble but not timid. Be proud but not arrogant. Have humor uh, but without folly. And that's a lot. And so when I talk to people, they're, they're like, how do I put all that together to still be a, um, be unique to myself, right? Still be genuine. And so I think that's one of the best definitions. All right, so I talked about management, talked about leadership, and so here's the differences. Managers work with the tangibles, they work with the stuff, right? Managers work with stuff. Leaders work with the intangibles, sociology, psychology, all those things that you don't necessarily see. And so leadership, where it can be looked at, did you need to take a picture of that? Leadership work can be looked at in some instances as science is just as much an art, right? And going back to that Jim Rohn definition, like it's hard to deal. How many people know it's difficult to deal with people? We all in the people business, right? It's the best thing about business. It's the worst thing about business. Yeah. Please. You can't control. Exactly. And, and Shandell's my real estate agent. And so, you know, leadership, we, we had a disappointment. Leadership is dealing with the disappointment. In fact, let me tell a quick story about um, leadership. I'm going to use a football analogy. Is that all right? So, so leadership is like you're a quarterback. You call a play in the huddle. You get under center to, call, to, to run the play. Right? So what the quarterback does as a leader, they have to adjust and change based on what they see when they get to the line of scrimmage. Right? So the, the play called in the huddle is designed to go a, a certain place for a certain purpose. Right? You, you run out, you head to the post, I'm going to throw it to you, you get a first down. Right? But if you step to the line and something changes, then you have to call an audible out. Right? And so that's what leadership is like. When you, when you enter into a situation, you have an ideal of how you think it's supposed to go. But if it changes, if the, if the external environment changes, you've got to be willing and able to adjust to that environment. Right? And so you step up, and things don't look like they're supposed to look. There should always be a contingency plan in place anyway. Right? So in the, and using that football analogy, you step to the line. You, you take a look at what you have in terms of the defense, and if the play isn't going to work, there's always a contingency plan. So the play is supposed to go to one place, but you already know that there's other receivers in place to make that play go. And so you have to be um, focused on the outcomes, right? Outcome-focused leadership. And so those are some of the difference. Thanks for sharing that. So what I'm going to do real quick, I know they turned down the lights. Who, do you all have pens? Our business people got pens, I know. All right. Yeah, you're going to need a pen for this one, though. So what I'm gonna do, cause it's um, it's gonna require some, right? I, I brought a couple. Yeah, I'm gonna pass. Yeah, actually pass both of these out. Let me use one. I need one for. Yeah, just so I can read off. Uh, yeah, you can take this one too. All right. So real quick, I know they cut the lights on us, and y'all been eating. And I don't want y'all to catch the itis. Um, yeah, yeah. Not yet. Not, nah. Yeah, we might need them back on for this. I need it for this. Yeah. Just real quick. Yeah? All right. And, and so there's two. And if I can get y'all to pass those around. So Shandell's coming with one, and we're passing another one around. Y'all pass that down real quick. Is anybody that doesn't have a pen? Anybody that doesn't have a pen? See, I come prepared, man. I try. Yeah, bro. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you said it, not me. All right, perfect, perfect. Yeah, that helped. That was good. <laughs> so real quick, um, with, 
when you're a leader, obviously you have a team. And so what I wanted to do is I want to always like to make sure people get an opportunity to leave with something in their hand uh, when they come to one of my presentations. And so there should be two. There should be two. One will say step one on the front of it. One will say step four. So there should be two. One will say step one. And so when everybody gets there, everybody have a pen? So once we finally get this handed out, this should only take about five minutes. Thank you, Clarence. Thank you, Shandell. Thank you for all the leaders in the room. So does everybody have two? There you go. Second sheet. I think Shandell might have that in their hand. Yeah, so it, it should be steps. One, two, three. And so one has four. One starts with four. One starts with one. You need one? No, you're, you're busy. Yeah, yeah. I'll make sure you get one. Um, so basically, what it's a work play, uh, work preference inventory, and so this is good because as leaders, we have to build teams. We need to know what type of leader we are. We need to know how what type of followers our our um, team members are, and so this is going to help with that just a little bit. There's a lot of inventories and things you can do to help assess your leadership style. I'm gonna leave you all with a good one at the end of this as well. It's different, but it's more focused on um, leadership styles, documented leadership styles. All right, so what you're gonna do with this, the one that says step one is you're gonna go through and for each line, it's gonna tell you to select either an A or B, a C or A based on what type of person you are, right? And so, uh, so if you look at one, what type of person are you? Are you a person that takes action or you coordinate activities? If you take action, you put A. If you coordinate activities, you put B. If you are a type of person for two that takes action, you would put a, if you're a type of person that gathers information, you put C. That makes sense? Right? So for whatever, for lines 1 through 24, there's two options. Whichever one best fits you, go ahead and notate that into your choice. It's hard, huh? Yeah, but you got to do it fast. Don't think about it. Quick activity. If you're thinking about it too much, you're overthinking it. And so we'll do this really, really quick, three to five minutes. And then at the end, what will happen is we'll tally them up. in steps two and three. Once again, don't think about it too long. Read on. Yeah. Chandel is done. Anybody else still working? <coughs> Got people still working? All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit while y'all are working. It's not going to change your results, trust me. All right, so um, for those that are finished and those that can already look and tell me, um, now the second sheet, right, so the second sheet on step four, that's going to tell you what your work preference style is like and um, what you're like to work with, right? And so was anybody surprised? Oh, one surprised person. Yeah? Why? Wow. Well balanced, all things, all people. <laughs> all right, so you scored. So for three of them, you scored exactly. exactly the same. So how many? How many are focusers, self-starters? Show of hands. Okay, all these entrepreneurs in the room. All y'all should pop up. That's interesting, right? Um, relators. Okay. Yeah. So so your yours was a tie, a relator. Integrator, finisher, 
That's right. Finished, she finished that military career. Congratulations. Um, operator. Are you all those things? Any other operators? Oh, back in back, because you tied. You're seeing the D? Okay. So was anybody, so you were the only one person that was surprised? Yeah? yeah? All right, so, so let me get a raise, show of hands so I can see who I want to work with. Uh, if you are a focuser, raise your hand one more time so I can check you out. My focus people, okay? Yeah, and if you got multiple, just raise your hand at a time. If you're a relator, raise your hand. Y'all should be looking around too to figure out who y'all, the type of people y'all got. <laughs> yeah. Um, so integrators, finishers. Good, good, good. She's on my committee. Yeah, okay, I know. Okay, she's on my committee. She's my realtor. Okay, she's going to be on my committee, my business partner. Um, and then operator. Yeah, you got to have some detail, detail-oriented people, right? Which one do y'all think Blair is, by the way? Dictator. is not on the page, but we'll go with that. Yeah, so, and, and so check this out. What I would advise you all to do is, so what I do with my, my employees, I do a strategic planning meeting every year. So if you have employees or people that you work with, if you all do like a retreat or anything, it's good to do this because they may not know, but you may feel like you know. But when it's on paper, you can figure them out. I did this with my team, and it was, I mean, I was pretty spot on, but I had somebody in each, each one of these, which was really cool because then I know how to place them on my team, right? And so back to that football analogy, they had people in the right position, right, for, in order for them to flourish. And as a leader, it's your job to build other leaders, right? So if you need this, let me know. I got a couple of copies, but I would suggest you do this with your team, do this with your spouse, anybody that you're in a joint situation with, this is good to know. And it's simple. They won't be offended. I've done something like that in my marriage enrichment as well. And so it's good. And so um, this, there you go, Blair, delegate. Do you prefer to tell your employees what to do? Do you prefer to delegate? You got to delegate to something, right? You can't do it all. You got to trust your employees. Do you um, need buy-in from your employees? How many people need buy-in? I need buy-in because I'm vision casting, right? So a lot of my leadership comes from, I mean, a volunteer army, right? They're not getting paid. They're just following my vision and their passion. And so I need them to buy in on a certain level. Uh, do you prefer to share in the decision making? How many have like a diplomacy type leadership style, right? Because you may not have all the answers. And if you think you have all the answers, that could be your Achilles heel in leadership, right? And so um, I asked that question. You all can, don't have to answer it out loud. But the good news, whatever style you prefer, you had the best style sometimes. And back to that, back to that football analogy. Right? Sometimes it's going to be the run, sometimes it's going to be pass, sometimes it's going to be the tight end, sometimes it's going to be the receiver, sometimes it's going to be Shandell's person in front of my projector. That's all right. All right. And so uh, leaders have are effective communicators. I almost left this out, and I was like, yo, I cannot leave communication out, because this, this is a key thing in leadership. If you can't communicate a vision, if you can't communicate a task, and a task gets done wrong, what's your fault? Right? So you need to be able to be an effective communicator. Now, now, communication is broken down. It's 7% the language you use. It's 38% um, voice and tone. Right? And it's 55% body language. Isn't that crazy? 7% language. Like, the words you use is 7%. How you say them, voice and tone, is 38%. But 55% is body language. So check out the body language. I pulled a couple of leaders. Um, I, now, I got Hitler up here, but I, I got him up here for a reason. Because leadership, you had to be a great communicator. And what he did, he communicated propaganda well, right? And so you don't got to be a good leader in a, in a sense, like you're a worthy cause. You just got to be a good leader. 
bad or good cause, right? And so Hitler's up there. And okay, you got Martin Luther King, you got Malcolm X, same error, by any means possible, nonviolence, right? Two different messages, same error, two big followings. So that's huge. But check out their body language. You know, I had to put Barack, my president. I had to put my president up there. Because we want to talk about bad leadership, I could have put another picture up there. But, but check out their body language. Look at Martin Luther King. Check out his body language. Welcoming, right? Check out Malcolm X. Powerful, right? Demanding. Look at Hitler. Confident. And look, and look, at, and look at Barack. Thoughtful. So yeah, but he's thoughtful. Look, check this out. This is, this is thoughtful, right? And so different leadership styles, but communication is paramount. And, and that's just, that, I felt that was a, those examples are really good to kind of articulate that in the body language. So if y'all want to write those numbers down, 70% language, excuse me, 7% language, you have 38% uh, voice and delivery, and then you have 55% that's the body language. And you can see how that makes a difference. 55%. And the thing is, they're intentional about it. Right? They, they just not, they, it maybe happen, maybe in their subconscious they're doing it too, but a lot of times they're intentional about their body movements because they want to be confident, confident in the delivery. You know, there's a lot of stats and quotes out there about different things you can do to, uh, to show power, power poses, right? There's things you can do psychologically, like look at people's left eye when you're trying to negotiate. There's all these different things out there. Uh, true, but they work. And so every little thing is a, a competitive advantage for you. And so when, they, when they're doing stuff like this, it's not just by happen, happenstance, like they're doing it for a reason. It's more than just that's how they, their movements, they, they're training themselves to move like that because they want to have a particular, they want to be viewed a particular way. All right, so now we're going to go into my leadership major minor concentration example, right? So he's, once again, still in from college. I'm going to start with the concentration. And the whole reason I chose that is because leadership is interdisciplinary, like it goes from the military, it goes from the nonprofit. You have to tweak it a little bit, right? Um, but you need to at least have some consistent foundation, right? And so I'm going to start with the concentration because when you, think of higher, when you think about higher education education, you have your major and the major of the concentration. So everybody can be in the same major, but everybody won't have the same concentration. And the concentration is what makes you unique, right? And so I'm going to focus on the concentration first, and then we talk about the minor. And the minor is important, not as important, but the minor could turn around and be the major at some point. Anybody had to happen and went to college? Your minor becomes your major, right? And so um, I try to play all that into here, but concentration. So I put the I because that represented concentration to me. Now, this is going to be the deep stuff. So this is going to be the most technical. Can y'all read that? Not that y'all need to. Yeah. Uh, I'm making it worse, huh? There we go. There we go. There you go. All right. So this is Hershey and Blanche's uh, situational leadership theory. Okay. So this is where it's going to get technical. So y'all bear with me on this one. This is one going to make you lean forward a little bit. Um, so situational leadership model, which suggests that there is no single optimal leadership style, and the successful leaders adjust their styles based on follow maturity. Amen. Y'all can say amen. amen. All right. Um, so follow maturity is determined by the ability and the confidence of the group they are attempting to lead. The model possesses the leaderships. The leaders deal with the varying levels of followers' maturity by adjusting their relative emphasis on tasks and relationship behaviors according to the model. This gives rise to four leadership styles. Okay, so I read all that. I'm, I'm going to say this. To break this down, all this means is, and see, I do this naturally now, so I'm going to show you all a couple of graphs and stuff 
Don't get overwhelmed by it. It's really simple. But it's good to be able to go out and have a leadership style that you know is documented. Anybody ever like read a book? And in the book, you read something that you already do naturally? And so this is what it was like for me. Like, I did it naturally, but then I, I found that there was a true theory behind it. I studied the theory. I'm like, okay, I understand. So when you pick up these theories, no matter how technical or non-technical they are, if you can apply them naturally and build them to your natural DNA and way of doing things, that's going to be uh, probably the most conducive leadership style for you. <clears throat> so the model is statistical leadership varies according to the circumstances and maturity of the leader and the knowledge and skills of the person being led. All right, so I'm going to go through a couple of these. So this is the premise, um, the task-behavior relationship, right? And so you're going to assign a task, Blair. It's gonna, <laughs> Blair is going to dictate a task to you <clears throat> based on her relationship with you, right? And what she knows or she feels that you're able to do and accomplish. Maturity levels, how ready are you to do that thing and represent the company, me or whomever. And then competence, like I can't ask you to, that's why I kept going back to um, the operator, the detail person, because I can't ask somebody to, that's not detailed to do something that's detailed because you're going to mess up my money, right? All right, so, and so there's competence there. So that's the premise. All right, and so I know this is a little blurry too, but no need to, to capture all this to memory. I'm going to go back through each one of them. I just wanted you to see them on one page together. So it's task, relationship behavior, it's readiness, and it's competence. So there's going to be some graphs that are going to show where you have the maturity. Uh, I guess I'll start here. So you got S1, right? S2, S3, S4. So it gets better as it goes down, right? So for example, um, in fact, I won't do this on the screen because I'm going to approach all of the individual, but I just want you all to see what they all look like together. So there'll be a couple of visual, uh, visual slides where I'll show you show all what this looks like on the graph. Right, so here's the S1, telling and directing. So if you have somebody that's on S1 level, you're literally telling them what to do. They're kind of high maintenance. And that could be okay. You got a new person coming in. They're, they're, they're ready to work, but they're just, they're just young and they're green. That's fine. You're going to tell, tell them and you're directing them on exactly what to do. You got selling and coaching. That's a little bit more of a mature person that you have working with you and you feel a little bit more comfortable. So you're going to sell them on the idea and let them take it and do, what it would, as, do with it as they will and then coaching. Um, then participating and supporting. This is really you're giving it over to them and you have set milestones. You can come back to them to see how they're doing, but you're, you're hands off. And then ultimately you want to have a team that delegates, uh, you can delegate to and you just observe what they do. And you feel comfortable with them bringing whatever they're going to bring in terms of a final product to the table. And so these are Perry leadership styles. They're not big leadership styles, but they're small leadership styles, right? So they're like micro leadership styles. And so here's the graphic. All right, so this is the... Just some, Sure, yeah, yeah, please. Ask any questions we go. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, yeah, please feel free to ask any questions as we go. So, to Blair's point, yeah, you will probably have all these people cycling through your business network household. Like, my, my son, is, I got a two year old daughter, a seven year old son, and a 20 year old son. they all over the place, right? I probably tell my daughter, my two-year-old to do stuff my 20-year-old can't do, but they're all over the place, right? And so, so here, S1, and check out the bell curve, right? We're all familiar with the bell curve. You get to the middle of the bell curve, you're in good shape. You get on the other side of it, you're doing really good. And so the S1 down here, this is the, I'm probably blocking somebody, but the S1 is that one, you know, low readiness, high task, um, low relationship. So that's your new person. That's your new real estate agent. 
That's your new admin. That's your new whomever. Nothing against them, but they're new to whatever. And they need to be trained up so you can take them up to S2. Right? And now you're selling them on the idea. And they have enough experience to add some insight. Ultimately, you want to get them on this side of the quadrant, right? S3, where you're just participating. And then ultimately, S4 hands off, right? So for those of you in Black Brand and actually came to our, our strategic planning meeting, that's where we're supposed to be right now as an organization, like S4. Hand, everybody should be doing their own thing in their, in their respective groups. And so if you notice, the readiness is below. So as the person is going through the top part, right, the relationship, that's the S1, S2, S3, S4, as they're going up the bell curve, hopefully, then you're, you're taking out the readiness, right? And so now, if they're S1, R1, they're low experience, low relation, and low readiness. Then go to S2, R2, now they're more of a moderate readiness, and you, you trust them a little bit more. So now the conversations are more like selling them on idea instead of telling them. And so once again, like I said, this is a little complex of a theory and leadership style, but I want to make sure I can give it to y'all. And so here's the, um, the readiness. So basic incompetence or will, unwillingness to do a task, uh, inability to do a task but not willing to do a task, competent to do a task but don't think, you, uh, but don't think they can, and then uh, R4, ready, willing, and able. That's what you want. Somebody's ready, willing, and able to do it. And so right back to the graphic. That just tells what those folks are. So that's the able and willing and confident. Able but not unwilling. And so if you got somebody that's able and not unwilling, you also probably got a problem in your organization, right? Yeah, I'm going backwards. All right, and like I said, this is a little of the deep stuff. So I promise after this it gets a little lighter. And so um, here you have people that have low competence, low commitment. So if you got low competence and low commitment, that's a double no, right? <laughs> that means you don't know anything and you, you ain't even on board with the mission, right? <laughs> low competence and high commitment. Now you got people that I want to do everything I want to do, I want to do, I want to do it, but you can't really do it. You ain't got the skill set yet. And now you, as a leader, you got to figure out how you tell them, like, calm down a little bit. We'll put you in position when it's your time, right? Uh-oh, somebody called the name? Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah, so you can you start identifying employees. What'd you say, Blair? Is that me? No, it's not. No, I was thinking about when you say genius. Yeah, yeah. You get that a lot. And how you deal with that person, right? Because they're they can't do it. And it's especially difficult when they don't know that they have low competence. So now you want to keep them a part of the team. Yeah, and you, you have that happen a lot when you're you're doing um, volunteer endeavors where they don't work for you. And so that's more difficult because you need the help. You need the willing hands, but they can't operate in that particular function because it's not going to move, advance the ball for the opportunity, right? They're cheerleaders. They're cheerleaders. You need those. But they want to be involved. Anybody got cheerleaders on their team where they just, they all, yeah, yeah. And so then you got, you got your high competence uh, and low uh, low commitment, low variable commitment. And so now you got people that are really sharp again, but they're just not on board. And of course, like I said, going down to the four is the, per the people that you really want. High competence, high commitment. So they, sh yeah, yeah, definitely. So let's talk about that. Because um, I got a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And so this is just a different graph because this is actually showing the development, right? And so this is your, okay, so I'll tell you 
the latter part of the presentation kind of touches on that, but let's have a discussion about it. So when you have, what's the lady you called out? Julia. 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 Say her name one more time so everybody knows who she is. Julia. <laughs> All right, so we got Julia. <laughs> First name. Yeah, yeah. What's she? She my cousin, though. All right, so. So you got Julia, right? Yes. And so how do you move Julia? So what's her situation? What's her? Her situation is, she got hired on her false pretense to me because she sold herself as being this competent individual, high aptitude and so on and so forth. I hired her outside of my, of the scope of the field of my industry. So kind of came in as an admin sort of a, uh, position but I needed her to grasp the industry, learn the language of my industry. Just as if she went into her medical field, you got to learn what the terminology is. She has to grasp that in my industry, and it becomes very frustrating because uh, I need her to be at a certain level. She's been in my employee for about a year and a half, and sometimes I'm feeling like you're just not grasping it. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, that's really where I'm at. It's frustrating. Um, it, it, it's a lot of self teaching that's involved in my uh, in my business because I'm not often there to hold her by the hand. It's things that I hope that she would adapt or you know come become impressed to or whatever. So what have you done? How much you been working with? A year and a half. Year and a half. It's good. 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 So I did hire her. Uh, I did hire her consultant last year. So I, I've invested in her. I had a consultant come in there and work with her, who has been in the industry, dispatch, and so on and so forth. Ultimately, I hired that consultant later, just uh, in January. You know, it's full time being there, even more so to work with Julia on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Yeah, but being service people as we've been, it, we talked about this earlier, that you, you just don't fire your sailor or your soldiers because they're not performing. Most of the time you try to work with them until they get to a level where they're, they're, they're grasping it eventually. You don't just fire your sailor so so Right, right. And, and that's been the most challenging aspect of my business is 
that I also still cry. So with that being said, I can't be in the office hand in hand with her through everything. There's a lot of self-learning that has to take place in my business. I need those happy people in the office to handle all the dispatching and, and logistical planning and so on and so forth. Then I would hope by this time, through the guidance, through the uh, court, through corporate, that they that she would be at a certain place. It's just hard to be saying you're fired. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I just want to keep see. I want to see an evolution. I want her to be that success story. Is my problem. I want to say she came from the bottom. She didn't know anything about this industry. Look where she's gotten today. That's what I'm trying. That's what I have in my mind. I think it's a partnership of a combination of teaching and learning. If you as a leader, if you're not there to stay, if you're not selling, if you're not participating with her and coming together with her, there's not going to be a way that she's going to know that level of expectations that is always being told that it's not a collaboration. I think just as children, and I'm teaching them, they learn in a different way. So just as you're comfortable teaching this to her, she's fine. Not in the learning in that way. Yeah. I just had a question um, because I've, I've run into all kinds of situations in Africa and here, as well, especially in the Hampton Roads area. And um, sometimes people are with you in, in their bed for a reason. And so if you believe that, then what value does she have outside the way you see it? that can benefit and add value to your company. In other words, I had somebody come on, you see the best thing, you want to motivate, move them up. But if you can't trust somebody, they should be dishonest. Then that's something you can't deal with. But somebody that she's been there a year and a half, and she's been honest, right. and she has um, characteristics that show value, right. then it's up to us to say, well, where do you fit? Right. Yeah, I can benefit from what you already bring to the table. Right. That's a challenge right. for us. But but to look at it, I've been in the military too, and worked for the Department of Defense, yeah. and that's why I know all the parameters and metrics for right. performance. So is it harder for us to fire an individual than well, say a regular civilian who went from a job to job became worth a manager? I don't think it's is is um, harder for us to fire see you or you. You know, if it's not in you to do that, to, you have a nature of wanting to help somebody, right? And hold somebody. Yeah. And, and so what do you have to work with to get it to that point where you're comfortable and she's comfortable? If you got certain pros that she has, right, that you're not gonna find everywhere. Exactly. And that's something I didn't have a question but the pros are that she's committed. She comes uh, on a regular basis, mostly on time. She takes the bus every day to and from the job. Yeah. And, uh, so she's just highly committed on that level, but she just doesn't seem to be competent. She's like, that's my one, R1, she's everything one. <laughs> But 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 sometimes like I mean I know I know Lamika has something to say in Seiko too but and so I mean now I look at so I'm hiring somebody now and I would in my particular role I can lean less to their skill set and look more at can I trust them are they reliable because I can train but you may not have time to train them and so the expectation 
you need to set some type of expectation and follow up with that expectation. And so what were you going to add anything that Seiko was going to say? the rest of the parts so i'm glad blair brought this up because i mean if you don't add if you don't add real context to this it just looks like grass on the hey so let's walk through it and so i'm glad you're going through this because yeah it's going to grow you as a leader oh, okay let me go to say Easy that gives her high marks, and she can't understand why she gives you know 
with her though? What's the what's the communication like with her? Like have you so what you're relating to us, have you had that appropriate conversation with her? You know what? It started off as professional. Now I feel like I'm getting to a place where the conversation is always at an angry place. I'm always in an angry space when I'm getting ready to talk to her. You know, I'm talking to her because then she sort of allowed me to do it too. So I've sometimes my language has been strong with her. Uh, it's not a point where I'm like cussing her out, but I, there may be points that I may be some profanity in there. In the conversation, not saying that that's good, um, but I feel that it, somehow that gets through to her. So hold on, hold on. Let me let me go in order real quick. So I want let me hit Seiko, her, you, and then it be real quick. So let's go Seiko real quick. Skip Seiko. transition because I think there'll be more time for conversation and Blair just let me know what our time looks like yeah yeah no no well, let me make this plug too you know that the black chamber of commerce 
Black Grand does have a mastermind group with a couple people in here on. So if you know anybody that is having problems like that, they need to get their business under control, started, revamped, um, funded, you know, let us know for a nominal fee. We'll help take care of them. So Shandell. wanted to say you're right you can't get a you can't get a squirrel to fish can't get a what she is my michael can you hear me still yeah so she sold you a bad bill of goods man but you know you can't teach her what they say you can't teach a, a fish to climb a tree you can't teach a squirrel to to, to swim so yeah so we're gonna move along real quick folks so um to the major so leadership major um, I say I love my major because this is what I do most of the time. And so it's a combination of motivational and visionary leadership um, with the situational leadership as the concentration. So motivational leadership uh, refers to someone leading others by motivating them to strive for certain goals rather than simply acting on orders. Right? So motivation. And then visionary, right? So black, black brand has, I feel like, has encompassed this visionary leadership style along with others. Um, so an inspiring envision and helps others to see how they can contribute to this vision, allowing the leaders to, uh, and followers to move together towards shared view of the future. Yes, All right? It's better than dictator. Dictators don't work. If, you, if you're a dictator, you know, you never know. You can't trust your people, right? You're always, you should always be on edge because you can't trust your people. If, you're always on edge? Yeah, I think you need, yeah, we'll talk. <laughs> All right, so here, here's the 12 steps of motivational visionary leadership. This is not me alone. This is Mr. Pickett. This is a lot of research we've done with some of the leaders that we know um, and have studied, right? And so the 12 leadership, uh, 12 rules of motivational leadership, knowledge, and some of, we mentioned them earlier when we asked about, you know, what, what's leadership. And some of y'all threw out some of these adjectives. So knowledgeable, confident, consistent, approachable, accessible, uh, empathetic, lead by example, be persuasive, uh, include your team, praise your team, take responsibility, and surround yourself with great people. Right? And so I got to get this right in terms of my direction. What's up? I can. Yeah, I can. Um, and so, okay, here's my disclaimer. And this is, depending on how you look at it, it's a disclaimer or it's a bonus. Right? So take inventory of your people. Do a SWOT analysis of your people. Strength, weaknesses, opportunity, threats of each person and their impact on the organization. Right? And so this is my disclaimer as we go into this. Um, think two levels up, one level down. 
two levels up, one level down. Because sometimes, you know, you get to a place where you, and so I appreciate this about you. You're trying to think about her, but two levels up, one level down. That kept, keeps you humble, keeps you grounded. Um, intellect, oh, I love this. Intellect over emotion, but instinct is larger than intellect. Y'all get that? Wow. Instinct over emotion. Excuse me, intellect over emotion. So don't get so emotional in it where you can't use your intelligence, but instinct is larger than intellect. Because your instinct, you can't, like, intellect comes from those things you know, you read that's in your mind. You, instinct is already in you. I like to call it discernment, right? And so those are my disclaimers as we move forward to talk about um, the rest of this. All right, so knowledgeable. Somebody said that. And it's easy. Why, why do you need to be knowledgeable? Because, yeah, I mean, knowledge is power, right? And exercise, you know, exercise of knowledge is wisdom. But, uh-oh, wrong way. So, but if you're going to be a leader, they expect you to know what you're talking about. At least know what you know, right? At least know what you're supposed to know. Those things you don't know, you hire people, get people around you that know that stuff. And so <clears throat> if you're going to be a leader and you're not knowledgeable about your industry or what you're supposed to be doing, then that's, gonna, that's a chink in your armor. And as a leader, you really don't want chinks in your armor unless you intentionally want them to see a chink in your armor, right, if you're trying to be relatable. And so you want to make sure you're knowledgeable, right, and then confident, right? I'm all, that's all I want to say. I'm, all, I'm always going to present confidently, even if I don't know what I'm talking about, right, because I'm smart enough to have a, a rational conversation, right? And so confidence goes a long way. If they see, you, if they see that you're not confident, then they're not going to feel confident. And they can't look. So even when you're not confident, subconscious, you need to present in a confident way. Even when you don't know, you still need to be confident because your people are looking at you, right? And so you should always be confident. Anybody agree with that? Everybody, anybody not been confident about something, but you still stood, stand and delivered, or showed up, right? Blair's like every time, all the time. That's huge. And then consistent. And so has anybody ever had a uh, a boss? that one day they come in, they're like, hey, good morning. And the next day they don't even look at you. Get that little smile, right? Wow. Yeah, and so consistency is key, too, because they want to know what to expect from you, right? They got to know what to expect from you. So that's why if you have, if, when you're developing leadership style, you need to know what it is so you, at least you can be consistent in that. Be a consistent person because people trust consistency. All right, and then be approachable. Can anybody tell me why being approachable is important? from their perspective. I can easily tell you, for, for me, being approachable is important because I want my, whoever I'm working with, I want them to be able to come to me to tell me what's really good or what's really bad. Because if you're not approachable, they won't come to you. You ever met somebody that you're like, oh, I can't even, I can't, yeah, I can't even go shake their hand, right, because they're not approachable. But you could have some information that could take their business, their life to the next level, or their health or whatever. And so if you're not approachable, you miss opportunities to get information so that you can forward whatever endeavor you're, you're a part of. So being approachable is important. And plus it's like, anybody read How to Win Friends and Influence People? I mean, it makes sense, you be approachable. If you're in sales, you wanna be approachable. You smile when ain't nothing funny, right? Because you want, yeah, because it's welcoming, right? So being approachable is important. Talked about consistency. All right, we are all in sales. Anybody not in sales? You're not in sales? Is that your wife? Yes. You're in sales. You're in sales. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. Okay, touche, touche. But you, so, okay, so you're always, okay, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. You're always 
branding yourself because you're always making a presentation of yourself. And so whenever you open your mouth, you're selling yourself regardless if you want to or not. Because somebody's always making a snap judgment, right? You walk in, they're going to look at you. You open your mouth, that's the second judgment. Then what comes out of your mouth thereafter is another judgment shot, right? And so we all talk about first impressions. You don't get another opportunity to do a first impression, right? Or rarely do they come. So it's important that, you know, your first impressions are good. And so you are selling yourself. And then accessible. So not only do you have to be approachable, but you have to be accessible. So approachable is, I can, oh, I can walk up to them and say hello, but accessible is like, I need to talk to you. And I put that up there purposely because I have an open door policy. Like if one of my employees come to my office and knock on my door, depending on what I'm doing, I literally stop. And I turn around and give them my full attention because they appreciate that, right? It helps keep them loyal. And I listen to what they want to say because I want to be accessible. Going back to the example, like I want to hear what you have to say because what you have to say could change things for the organization, good or bad. I don't know what you heard through the grapevine. Maybe I need to hear it because it may affect some decisions I have to make, right? So you want to be accessible. So not only approachable, but accessible. Because if they can't get to you, then what's approachable? I mean, I can shake your hand? Uh, and be empathetic. Yeah, so this is big. Like, I'll tell you all an example. I had an employee. Anybody have dogs? A dog lover? Got dogs? Okay, so I don't have any dogs. I got kids. It's kind of the same thing. So um, my, one of my employees' dog was having seizures, right? But see, I don't have dogs, so it doesn't relate to me, like, you got insurance for the dog? I'm thinking about all this stuff, right? And, and so now, and so that happened, and you know, she stays up all night looking at the, waiting to see and make sure that nothing happened with the dog. I think she dog may have epilepsy. Then the 4th of July comes, and so the fireworks. So, scares the dog. The dog has seizures. So in my mind, so I had to get outside of my own mind. I'm like, you serious? Right now? You gonna miss another day at work? <laughs> right? But I had to get out of mind, because I, I didn't know any of that, so I had to step back be empathetic, although I, I haven't experienced that and don't know anything about that. So that's an example of empathy, right? Like you, sympathy is like, oh, I've been through it and I want to understand what you're going through. Empathy is like, I haven't been through it, but I, and I don't understand it, but I understand that you're feeling a certain way. So you need to understand that their emotions are their emotions. And you need to help be there for them when they're going through that, because when they get back in a good state, you should help them with that. They'll be even a better employee, friend, lover, whatever the case may be. Right? And so lead by example. So um, Mr. Pickett said that. I think all of us do that. He does that really well. And so you got to be your, your best employee and your worst boss, right, when you're entrepreneurship. You both ends of the continuum, so you got to lead by example. That confidence that they're always watching you to see what you're going to do. And so you can't say go. You got to say let's go. And so you got to be able to do whatever they're going to do, right? So I remember I, work, I forget where I was working, but I was in management. I had to clean the bathrooms. Right? To show them that I'll clean the bathrooms too. So that's a small example, but you want to show them that I do it, you do it, I work hard, you work hard. That's the culture I'm setting. Right? And then be persuasive. Um, not Hitler persuasive, <laughs> Martin Luther King persuasive, right? Uh, so you want to inspire them. So you want to persuade them to do those things that are positive. So you do have to convince them. And sometimes I know some people say that they want to share in the decision making to a certain extent with their followers. And so being persuasive in that is helpful because I have to communicate and persuade and inspire whoever I'm working with to move in the same direction as me, right? And so.